Have you ever wondered what it truly means for God to be holy and how that holiness can shape our lives? Well, stay tuned for today's episode. Welcome to Faithfully Living, the podcast, where we learn how to live for Christ in our daily lives. I'm Dwan, your host, and I would like to invite you on a journey with me to explore and learn how to be a faithful follower of Christ. Have you heard the hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy? I'll read you the li- lyrics if you have it, because if I sing it, you're not going to want to listen to this episode, this podcast again. So it goes like this. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning, our song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Holy, 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 though the darkness hides thee, though the eye of sinful men, the, thy glory may not see. Only thou art holy, there is none beside thee, perfect in power, in love and purity. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, all that works so praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. O God in three persons, blessed Trinity. These words were written by a vicar named Reginald Hebert, who wanted to celebrate a triune God. He wrote the lyrics to Holy, Holy, Holy for Trinity Sunday, a day that reaffirmed the doctrine of the Trinity, and it was observed eight Sundays after Easter. So the hymn was first published in 1826, and it was based on the latter part of Revelation 4, 8, which says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is to come. The holiness of God is a divine attribute that speaks of God's moral and spiritual perfection. He, his inerrant set-apartness, his purity, his transcendence over all creation. So as usual, let's define some terms. What is the holiness of God? Wayne Grudem, a professor of theology and biblical studies, defines the holiness of God as God's holiness means that he is separate from sin and devoted to seeking his own honor. He says this definition contains both a relational quality, meaning separation from, and a moral quality. The separation is from sin or evil and the devotion is to the good of God's own honor or glory. So the idea of holiness is included, including both separation from evil and devotion to God's glory is found, can be found in a number of Old Testament passages. So the examples that we have in the Bible would be like the tabernacle. If you're familiar with the tabernacle, it was divided into different parts. You had the holy place and then the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And this part was like sectioned off because if you went into the Holy of Holies, you know, and you weren't a priest, you would, you know, instantly die. So it was partitioned off by a veil. 
And then another example would be the Sabbath day. You know, God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So it symbolizes as a day set aside from ordinary activities of the world and then dedicated to God's service. So it was a day of rest. So we can view the we can view God's holiness a couple of different ways. And Miller Erickson, a Christian theologian, professor of theology, tells us there are two basic aspects of God's holiness. So the two are the uniqueness of it and then the absolute purity or goodness of God's holiness. So first he says, uniqueness, God is totally separate from his crea- creation. The uniqueness of God is affirmed in Exodus fifteen eleven. It says, who among the gods is like you, O Lord, who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. And then he also goes on to say, a similar expressions of the loftiness and exaltation of God, the splendor of God can be found in 1 Samuel 2, 2. In Hannah's prayer, which says, There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our Lord. We also have this in Isaiah. So in Isaiah 57, 15, it says, For thus for thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabit, inhabits inter- eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. And also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So when Isaiah saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and exalted, the foundation of the threshold shook and the house was filled with smoke. And the seraphim cried, holy, holy, holy is the Lord almighty. And that's in Isaiah 6, 1 through 4. And then Miller goes on to talk about the other aspect of God's holiness, which is, is his absolute purity and goodness. So this means that God is untouched and unstained from the evil of the world in a sense that he does not participate in, participate in it. So Habakkuk one thirteen addresses God that says, Your eyes are too pure to look on, to look on evil. You can't tolerate wrong. James 1.13 says God cannot be tempted with evil. And then Job says in 34.12, it says, Truly God will not do wrong. The Almighty will not twist justice. So we just looked at two basic aspects of God's holiness. A.W. Pink, an English Bible teacher, he, he talks about how God's holiness is expressed. So he says is expressed in his works, his law and the cross. So first, uh, A.W. Pink says God's holiness is expressed in his works. Nothing but what is excellent can proceed from him. Holiness is the rule of all his actions. And then Psalms 145, 17 says the Lord is righteous in all his ways holy in all his works. And then the law, God's holiness expressed in his law. The law forbids sin and all of its modifications. 
in its most defined as well as its most uncivilized forms, the intent of our minds as well as the pollution of our bodies, and then our secret desires as well as our overt acts. So Romans 7.12 says, The law is holy and the commandments holy and just and good. And then the last expression is in the cross. So the atonement displays God's infinite holiness and hatred for sin. You know how much God hates sin that he for him to punish it and that that sacrifice and punishment would be placed on Christ. So why is the holiness of God significant for our lives? So it's significant because we have, you know, strive for moral perfection, divine separation, worship, reverence, and then transformation. Now, noting that we will not fully reach perfection, we're not, we won't reach perfection as we're living on the on the earth, but. God's holiness is closely tied to, you know, God's moral perfection. His ultimate standard for righteousness, God's holiness serves as a guide for us, like ethically and morally. So it highlights kind of like the contrast between God's perfect nature and then our fallen nature as humanity. Then also God's holiness emphasizes his separation from sin and impurity you know, God can't tolerate or coexist with sin. So this underscores our need for redemption and reconciliation with God. So Jesus Christ's sacrifice is seen as the means by which we as sinners can approach a holy God. And then by understanding the holiness of God, it leads to a sense of awe and reverence when we when we think about God, recognizing that his purity, his majesty encourages us as believers to approach God humbly and with a, a deep sense of respect. And then we have transformation. So as believers, we're called to reflect God's holiness in our lives by striving for more purity. And then, you know, as we're striving, this is the process of sanctification as we draw closer to God and try to live in alignment with his purpose for our lives and his will. Have you struggled with studying and understanding the Bible? Do you wish you can get some help? Well, go check out the Faithfully Living YouTube channel. There is a library of videos to help you learn how to study and understand the Bible better. There are videos on various topics such as Bible study tools and how to use them, understanding context, and more. You can find a link to the channel in the show notes. Happy studying! So let's talk a little bit 
more about transformation. How are we to move toward being holy like God is holy? So A.W. Pink reminds us, because God is holy, he hates all sin. We should desire to conform to him and his commands because God said in 1 Peter 1, 6, be holy for I am holy. So this is going to be a prime way for us to honor God. So God's holiness provides us with an example of how to live. So going back to Millard Erickson, he says, God's perfection is the standard for our moral character and motivation for religious practice. The whole moral code follows from his holiness, meaning God's holiness. The people of Israel were told, I am the Lord, your God, consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Do not make yourselves unclean by any creatures that move about the ground. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. So this is in Leviticus. And the same thought is expressed in a little bit later in Leviticus. Leviticus, which is 19.2, and I'll back up to, to verse 1 to read in context, which says, The Lord also said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel. You must be holy because I am, because I, your Lord, your God, am holy. So you can see how the apostle Peter reiterated to the Christians, saying that you know God wants us to be holy as he is holy. The same way that God told the Israelites that he, he wanted them to be holy also. And also Matthew in Matthew 5, 48, it says, But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So because God is flawless and the same quality is expected of Christians to be set apart. If you remember reading in the Old Testament, how the priest had to be to come to to go into the holy of holies so they had to be without physical blemish and then remember or if you know that when the children of Israel had to bring sacrifices to the Lord to atone for their sins they couldn't bring a animal that had blemishes or had a limp or something they had to bring pure they had to bring animals that had like no problems or no blemishes on them. So Erickson continues to kind of help us understand a little bit better. He says, the biblical writers repeatedly emphasize that believers are to be like God. Thus, because God is holy, his followers are also to be holy. God not only is personally free from any more wickedness or evil, he's unable to tolerate its presence. He is, as it were, allergic to sin and evil. So the Apostle Paul stresses that those whom God calls as his people, we're supposed to be separated from things that are unclean and to be perfectly holy. He, the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through chapter 1, verse 1, he says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can unrighteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what unity can there be between God's temple and idols? 
For we are the temple of the living God, said, as God said, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will bless you. I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through chapter 7 through 1, Paul was talking about how God was telling believers to not partner with light and dark. Believers and unbelievers are not supposed to partner together. And in that part where it says, as God says, he's taking from the Old Testament what he what he's told the Israelites. And Paul is trying to, you know, reiterate that for believers that we are to be, you know, holy just as God is to be holy, because we are we are his people. So the end of what Millard said was because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can be defiled in our body or spirit and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. So, you know, while we can kind of grasp the significance of God's holiness and its impact on our faith, it's also important to take into account into account that the holiness of God is still a profound mystery that still baffles our mind because we have not seen God's full glory. We not we have not seen his full holiness. So God's holiness, you know, it's so profound that our finite minds can only like catch a glimpse of it. So if you remember the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 55, 9, he says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He reminds us, and that was God speaking, that the vastness and reminds us of the vastness and wonder of God's holiness. So I hope looking at the holiness of God has kind of enlightened you that this conversation or what I talked about was thought provoking and helping us understand how the holiness of God impacts us as believers, how that we should be humble and respectful of, you know, who God is and his holiness. So hope this was helpful for you thanks for coming on this journey with me to learn more about the holiness of god remember god is always good and is always faithful thank you for listening to the podcast do me a favor by following the podcast and leaving a review to help spread the word i look forward to hearing from you